the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Friday Eve edition of tonight's Andrea K. Show. Super glad to have you all along with me for the ride. And you know who else is with me for the ride? My dude, my orange-fingered friend. It's DJ Carrot Sticks. He's brunette, 5'8", 200 pounds of cheese curds in khakis. Here he is, DJ Carrot Sticks. Yeah, boy, I could go for some cheese curds right about now. They uh, in Canada. What do they call the cheese curds that have gravy on it? Poutine. poutine. I love fries. Mr. Poutine. Man. Well, French fries, some cheese curds, and gravy. And you know how you know if it's good cheese curds? How they make your teeth squeak. <laughs> Uh, what? Yeah, like fresh, <laughs> good cheese curds. Like from Wisconsin, they make your, when you bite on it, squeaks. But if you get them from like the store, it's like package process, no squeaking. How do you know about this? Because I have uh, my, you know, my good friend, Jesse Pitcock, yeah. her husband, he, uh, the, the, his whole family's from Illinois, but they have a lake house in um, Wisconsin. And okay. they go every year and they come back and they always give me cheese curds and they okay. make your teeth squeak. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then they used to have a poutine guy at the goals games, our, our semi-pro hockey team. Mm-hmm. And they sold poutine and there it also made your teeth squeak. But when I bought them in the store and I actually bought some at a farmer's market once, no squeakage. So, interesting. Yeah. So you've actually done you've you've done some legwork on this subject. <laughs> when, when it comes to cheese, <laughs> and I don't like that fancy cheese too much. You know, give me that yeah. pork cheese in that little jar thing, and I'm happy. Yeah, I, you know, I'm all about the liquid cheese. I'm all about the liquid cheese. I don't want to live in a world without liquid cheese. Okay, um, I, I don't like blue cheese. I don't like the stinky cheese at all. Cheddar is really my number one jam. Okay. I love me some cheddar. I particularly, my favorite is the British cheddar. Okay. I love, I I love British like white cheddar. Um, yeah. And and gravy, like in, in, in New Orleans, we don't have, we don't have poo too. Although I did have, I went to one place and, and had, um, uh, there was a version of poutine there. I think it had crawfish on it. Really, really yummy. But um, I love a French fry po' boy where okay. I'm from. All right. Some French fries and gravy on some bread, man. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I'm really okay. It is absolutely Ho- yummy. Hopefully all the listeners out there are, have already had dinner or in the middle of eating dinner. If not, they're probably really hungry right now. Well, and, and if they like fast food, then they need to go and get all get get to eating up all the fast food that they like. It's already expensive enough. It's already it's already overpriced, in my opinion. It used to be a cheap option for people right now. And we've talked about this many times. I mean, now you try to go get a two-piece all-white at KFC or Popeye's, man, you're in practice 
practically for $15. It's insane. Well, let me tell you, come April 1 of 2024, it's about to get even higher because today, um, uh, Gavin Newsom has signed legislation increasing the minimum wage for fast food employees to $20 an hour. $20 an hour to stand and ask people, do you want fries with that? Uh, that's going to raise my prices of my chicken? Well, of course it will. Because fa- no! <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How is Taco Bell supposed to survive this? Because now I love me a Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. I love me. Sometimes I just want a bean burrito from Taco Bell. Okay. Um, but one of the main draws for Taco Bell is the price, right? I mean, it's cheap. It's quick and cheap. Who's going to want to go and pay $9.99 for a gordita? It ain't happening. Who's going to? Oh, and by the way, you want to hear something weird speaking of fast food? Where was I yesterday? I was, I don't, I don't remember where I was. Oh, I was um, going by in PB, that road where, um, where you see in and out it's like um, there's a McDonald's yeah. down there. You know yeah. where the McDonald's it's is right down there by the of Mission Bay Drive. Yeah. yeah. I saw a Catholic cardinal coming out of the McDonald's yesterday. Not a priest, but higher than a priest, like a cardinal. He was getting the filet of fish for tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know why that like seemed strange to me. I don't when I, you know, I'm not Catholic. But I've been around enough Catholics, right? I mean, Louisiana, the only state divided by Catholic parish, right? All my friends went to Catholic school, and most of my friends were Catholic. I had more friends that were Jewish, actually, than than Christian, where I'm from, because it was like everybody was Catholic or Jewish. Um, In the New Orleans area, um, the rest of the Bible Belt, all Christian. But anyway, I I, I just, you you know, somebody of that level, right? It's, it's, you know, it's like seeing Donald Trump drive through and eat McDonald's. You're like, what? Why would a billionaire? It's like, why would a Catholic cardinal be eating a McDonald's? Well, let me tell you what, cardinal. Um, You better hope that the parishioners still keep lining up the plate on, or I don't know how Catholics pay. Do they pass a plate around like they do in Baptist churches? I don't even know if they do that anymore. Now everybody pays their tithe through, through you know, apps. Um, But $20 an hour, fast food, fast food franchises, it's low margin. It's low margin. Um, uh, I don't know how, what's going to end up happening. And these, as we've said many times, I'm sure you've known people sticks that, you know, started out at, you know, working in high school at fast food. You know, these are not, these were never intended to be head of household jobs until you got in management. Minimum wage jobs were never supposed to be head of household jobs, in my opinion. Or they were never supposed to, because even if, even if you weren't a high school worker, these were stepping stone jobs. Right. You nobody was ever meant to raise a family on on a minimum wage job. You might take a minimum wage job if you didn't go to college fresh out of high school as you work your way up into management. And typically when you're fresh out of high school, you weren't supposed to be father of five at 18. Right. Um, So this 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 is unsustainable for us. This is how you break the back uh, backs of an economy, destroy entire industries. Right. One of the reasons why we had so many businesses leaving the United States was because of overtaxation and overregulation. And it it has become impossible for businesses to start up here and to stay operating in part because of labor. The number one cost of any enterprise is labor. And when you're paying people beyond their skill level, you're paying them too much to do a non-skilled job. You can't sustain it. 
Was there something you wanted to add? Oh, I'm, I was just going to say, you know, if they're looking for future jobs and whatnot, if you have a young kid, I would say go, go into a robot repair or robot technician because that's what's going to happen is yeah. we're going to see more and more robots and self-checkout stands and you name it. Any of these places, like uh, with, the wa- with the auto workers, half of that stuff is already done by robots on an assembly chain. So that's just going to, you know, the more that people in entry-level jobs and, and, you know, want more and more money and demand more money, you're going to see corporations impl- implementing the use of robots. And we've already seen what- it. So. Well, yeah, I saw it many years ago at Xerox because um, I actually went back to Stanford, Connecticut. No, I was in the, at the Rochester location. I went back there. I was the winner of the 5024 Demorama. Whenever we would introduce new products, they would make us have these contests on how to demonstrate the machine, try to make it fun, right? Because um, you had to learn how to demonstrate the machines. <clears throat> And um, doing demos was uh, my least favorite part of the job. Absolutely hated it. And so I wasn't good at it. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to conquer this. If I got to do this, I might as well just attack it and do it really well. Well, I ended up winning the Western region, 5024, 5034 Demorama. So I ended up getting invited back to Rochester and I got to take a tour of all the Xerox uh, locations that were in Rochester. And then our main headquarters was in Stanford, Connecticut. I got to see how pantyhose were made from a little plastic chip that DuPont created. And one of the things that I saw, one of the ways that Xerox was able to regain market share from the Japanese and stay afloat and then actually go on to, you know, revitalize the organization and take it by, you know, take the marketplace by storm was automation. And I did not have a problem at all with looking at these. And, of course, I, I also studied engineering, um, manufacturing, in, uh, engineering applications in manufacturing. And I loved seeing the automation. I loved the fact that by automate, automating these low-skilled these low skilled positions, what ended up happening was it ended up making Xerox Corporation profitable enough to where they were able to expand research and development and come out with product lines that were actually competitive to the Japanese, which made my job easier. I didn't have to go around and literally try to sell machines to people that had to be delivered with a fire extinguisher because they were bursting into flames, which was actually a true story. So automation, because and what's going to happen is as these jobs get automated and workers get replaced, then it's going to be, oh, these evil corporations replacing because it's all, you know, the workers are supposed to be the ones that build the corporations. Let me tell you, the automated systems at Xerox machines had a much higher when it came to um, integrity of the machines, when it came to quality, the quality processes. Mm-hmm. They had a much higher quality rate, much less, much uh, higher quality rate, much uh, fewer instances of issues on the product line. The quality of the products went up, so sales went up, and uh, the stakeholders, the shareholders, had much higher returns on their investment, and everybody won. Um, so automation is a good thing, and these workers better start learning the skill because you're easily replaceable out there. So you brought up a very good point, Sticks, which is why I like to have you around. And ain't nobody wanting to pay nine ninety nine for uh, what's the McFish? Is the McF- what's the, the fillet fish? 
the big fish. <laughs> it's uh, somebody posted the other day. It's the size of like a slider now. That's oh. interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, the old shrinkflation effect. So yeah, nobody wants to pay ninety nine ninety nine for a fillet of fish at all, let alone one that's the size of a quarter. Okay, we're gonna take a break. We come back. LA Unified School District got some good news today. I'm gonna share that with you guys. So uh, come on back. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Don't forget, you can always email me, andreakshow.com. Love reading y'all's emails. Here's one that I got from Mo. Uh, why do I do it? Clay Travis, she says, he said he thinks Sleazy Greasy Newsom and President Trump are working together, conspiring on what, she says, and morons have the audacity to compare them to Rush. Uh, circus hearing. I want to spit when these um, Mexicans come up there, open their mouths. Such incompetent fools. I'm not sure what she's talking about there. You probably won't be on tonight. We'll try to stream. Levin believes Gates and his buds are not for the USA. He loves McCarthy. Um Okay, so yeah, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton are uh, diehard DeSantis people. FYI, Newsom and President Trump are not working together. That's ridiculous. We played the clip of Newsom last night after the debate. He's just he's basically calling it the the situation for what it is, which is Trump is winning the primary. Newsom, that's like saying that Trump and I are working together. You know, Gavin Newsom is is is, is a communist. He doesn't want President Trump in office. I mean, yeah. I, I get that, you know, it's one thing to say, look, you think Newsom, if, if Clay Travis and Buck Sexton and, and all the rest of the DeSantis influencers are as crappy in terms of working and messaging for the DeSantis campaign, the DeSantis himself, these kinds of allegations are so moronic and stupid. De- Newsom is not working with Trump. If you, Why can't you just make your case for DeSantis? One of the things we learned at Xerox is you never go into a, in, into a customer's office and slam their choice of buying Minolta or Kodak or any other machine. You have to tell them the why Xerox story. You have to, because uh, you, all you're going to do is insult them, right? Like, why why are they thinking of buying that person why, or that machine? Why did they buy that machine? DeSantis and DeSantis influence, make your case for DeSantis. The problem is you can't. So instead, you're trying to cook up these, you know, ridiculous uh, scenarios in order to try to slam Trump and it's not working. What were some of the other comments Mo had to say? Um, yeah, comparing them to Rush is just stupid. I think, um, circus hearing, I don't know if she's talking about the impeachment hearing today. Um, Levin believes Gates and his buds are not for the USA. Uh, McCart. <sighs> I've been warning about Mark Levin for a while too. That's he's he's another DeSantis guy, and they think they're so. And and uh, while Mark Levin is brilliant as an attorney, um, he's not a, a very good salesman, in my opinion. Any better than Clay Travis and Buck Sexton or any of the other DeSantis influencers? You don't you don't uh, sell your idea when you sound stupid. To say that Gates. It is anti-USA is ridiculous. What is and what is Gates saying? He's saying that McCarthy wasted nine months, wasted nine months 
and and violated his pledge to the American people. We are still looking at somebody tweeted me, texted me earlier. Are you aware we're three days from a shutdown? Yeah, I'm very aware. Whose fault is that? It's the fault of McCarthy. He intentionally wasted nine months, did not fulfill his promises of bringing individual bills uh, to be voted on with slashing the budget for the individual departments like defense spending. And in order to jack us up like the Republican establishment always does, Levin knows this, they always kick it down the road and then in the 11th hour say we don't have any choice but to go along with the continuing resolution and continue to spend, spend, spend and destroy the nation. Those, the people that are continuing to follow that establishment plan, they're the ones that hate this country. Anybody who supports the notion that we should go along with a continuing resolution to fund Ukraine, Ukraine farmers, Ukraine small businesses, they're the ones that hate the United States of America. Not Matt Gates. That's absurd. Absolutely absurd. The shutdown, and by the way, We've had 20 shutdowns since the 70s. The average day that they're shut down is eight days. My mother was a government worker for every one of those shutdowns. I was a kid for most of those shutdowns. Mama never, and we lived a whole lot of our lives paycheck to paycheck. And let me tell you, we never missed a a, a mortgage payment, never missed a car payment, never missed a meal. Okay. We had our freezer loaded up. With all of daddy's favorite ice cream and all everybody's, you know, I don't remember what else we had. Hungry man dinners. My brother loved him some hungry man dinners. Stick, do you, Sticks, do you remember hungry man dinners? Yeah. TV dinners was good stuff. Every- do they even sell those anymore? Yeah. There. I'm surprised that that, that hungry man hasn't been canceled and, and or changed to hungry person. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but those were good ones. That those are good, like uh, chicken fried steak, yeah, beef stroganoff. And I think I believe those are the ones in the corner had like a brownie or like apple fritter kind of thing. You were, yes, and you would tear you would tear the little the little plastic around either on the mashed potatoes or on the apples because those cooked differently than because it was very high tech. You know, you had to tear you had to tear the little corner of the plastic off because you didn't want this one thing to cook or it needed more cook time than the other stuff. So yeah, so we never missed any of our any of our favorite foods. Um, me, of course, I loved frozen hamburger patties cause I'd come home from school and I'd fry me up a hamburger and some French fries, uh, on my own. So, um, yeah, whole, there's so many games being played and it makes it so hard for voters when you've got somebody like a Mark Levin who was so trusted for so long. And then, you know, you, you, you hear him saying things like that, that are so absolutely incredible. It's like, how can this person even be saying something so absolutely ridiculous? All right, we are going to take a break. We're going to shift gears when we come back. I am going to share with you guys some good news related actually to shot uh, vaccine mandates. So stay tuned for that. Andrea Kay, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. I forgot to tell y'all, I keep circling back. I sound like Jen Psaki. I keep circling back to this debate, but I forgot to tell you guys. Somebody was asking me today um, about Dana Perino. Like, do you think, what, did somebody hold a gun to her head and make her do that stupid survivor uh, thing? Um... And we were like trying to figure out um, 
whether or not, see, I knew somebody that, uh, a friend of mine, Ashley Jen Kearns, actually worked uh, on the debate back in 2015, the famous Fox News debate with, between Megyn Kelly and Donald Trump. And they were all in a room for like three days, I think, with Megyn Kelly. And like she, they had control over their debate questions. And so today people are like, that I was talking to were like, this was so crazy, so cringe. I mean, did Dana Perino, did she do this under duress? I mean, are they still writing their questions like they used to? Well, because, I mean, how could she be so, you know, because they think of her as the former spokesperson for George W. Bush, right? Um, and and we all know that Roger Ailes has gone from Fox. Now Rupert Murdoch left, retired, you know, last week. And uh, Lachlan and the brother have, have taken over. We're like, what's going on with Fox in these questions? And um, then I find out today that Dana Perino, which should not come as any surprise to me because uh, Dana Perino uh, was a spokesperson for George W. Bush. Oh, and by the way, before I go on to this, uh, Greg Gutfeld today when he was trying to it sounded like he was trying to slam Fox. He was saying today that uh, the Fox partnership with Univision was as bad as was a bad a partnership as Bud Light partnering with Dylan Mulvaney. And it sounded like he was going after Fox. But then he said that it was the Republican Party that forced that on Fox. Uh, nobody made Fox partner with Univision. Uh, and then, but he did say that all the uh, questioners, the moderators, crafted their own questions. So if that's true, yes, she did come up with that stupid survivor question. Um, and then we read this today, that she actually hosted a panel at the Clinton Foundation Gala Last week, one week before the debate, during which she offered immense praise for the, quote, amazing secretary Hillary Clinton. Yeah. This from I got this from Jordan Satchel and his Substack. And he's actually got a picture of her greeting Dana Perino, greeting Hillary Clinton. I mean, the love fest is just nauseating. Uh, so another reminder of Fox supposedly being a right wing network or even or even middle of the road is absolutely a lie. Um, here's a picture here of her. This was on 919 speaking at the um, she actually hosted the panel for the Clinton uh, Foundation's global initiative, which is just as much of a fraud as the Clinton Foundation, which was the w- world's largest charity fraud scheme that was ever perpetrated that included Hillary Clinton as secretary of state going around the world, lining the pockets of the Clinton foundation as secretary of state, lining the pockets of Bill Clinton. Some of that money was even used by Chelsea Clinton for her wedding. This is the same secretary of state, Dana Perino, who ignored 400 security requests from um, ambassador Stevens and others at the outpost in um uh not not Iraq um Benghazi in Benghazi ignored them and then after Americans died they had to get their own plane ride back and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama blamed a filmmaker and blamed it on a movie about the prophet Muhammad the Bush family are despicable to me. Absolutely disgusting. And this is, and Dana Perino is right in lockstep with them. Remember how Jeb Bush gave Hillary Clinton a Freedom Award? 
Yeah, this is who this is who Fox News and many conservatives still think is some kind of amazing person that she actually hugged her. She introduced Hillary Clinton, describing her as the amazing secretary, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And by the way, um, I believe this Clinton Global Initiative is involved in $25 billion going to Ukraine. Uh, Some of the $25 billion, in other words, going to Ukraine, taxpayer money, is being sifted through, and and I've got to do some research to check the details on that, but is being sifted through the Clinton Global Initiative. I think the Clinton Global Initiative was also involved in the Haiti scheme in which George W. Bush and Bill Clinton went down to Haiti after the earthquake. Remember that? And they raised all this money through the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative, and none of it made its way down to the Haitians? Yeah. This is who Dana Perino is celebrating. Unbelievable. All right. Let's get to some good news. I was going to. I actually think that this is good news, by the way. The L.A. County uh, Unified School District has decided two years later to drop uh, the shot mandate uh, for its workers. I had the article here I wanted to pull up for you guys. Um, because whether or not you and there are still many people out there who believe in these in these covid shots, um, they should be voluntary. Nobody should be forced to take any kind of shot they don't want to take in order for uh, their job. Um, According to KTLA, uh, if you're an employee of the Los Angeles Unified School District, um, uh, they have rescinded. They've dropped the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Um, it was a 6-1 vote opposed only by one board, board member, George McKenna, who said the mandate had saved lives and lessened the severity of the illness and probably would still do so. That is not backed up by by science. So it should not be mandatory. Um, the quote, this was a necessary requirement. It was adopted so that schools could reopen safely, except that children did not get or uh, give the covid virus. We don't need to litigate all that. These mandates were uh, unconstitutional. And this is actually good news uh, for students, good news for teachers and all, because as I said back in and, and sticks, you and I disagreed uh, going back to the beginning of covid. Do you remember? Yeah, of course. I just wanted um, everyone to stay away from me. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I'm just like, stay away. <laughs> That's why I remember I put bungee cords up in the in well, the uh, door frame. Well, the one thing, yes, the one thing that, um, well, for me, I, I I'm all about personal choices in terms of boundaries, right? One of the things I did like was the lines on the on the carpet at CVS because I hate when people bump up against me in line. Okay, personal, ba- you know, personal space, please. Right. Recognize and respect my personal boundaries. Okay. I so agree. I was all for, I, I was all for that. I always say I don't, if I could smell the flavor of your gum, you're standing too close. <laughs> or if I can smell anything else, you're standing too close. Um, where you and I disagreed with, because for me, I, from the beginning, I felt like it should be about individual liberty and that included personal space. Um, I was upset one day at the station that Nordstrom was closing and I can remember being upset about that. And I can remember sticks thinking, you know what, these, every, you were, you were on board with the lockdowns. And I was like, well, if you don't feel safe going anywhere, you don't want to be around people, stay at home. Right. I, I didn't like businesses being shut down because that hurts the workers. It, it you know, it, it, I didn't think we had enough. Uh, 
uh, we didn't have the science or the data to back up what the claims were. And I ended up being right on that. I think it should be about a limited choice. I feel like in that situation, I feel like instead of the businesses being shut down by the government, workers should have been given the right if they wanted to stay home and work from home is what I felt should happen. And then everybody gets to stay as safe as they feel like they need to be based upon their own choice as an individual. That was my take on it. Um, but I think that um, particularly when it came to the shots that really were even according to Fauci that were pushed out and they were continuing to do trials after the fact, I felt like um, that that nobody should have been mandated to take the shots. So um, now we've got the FDA has now approved uh, three new shots for RSV, which is a serious respiratory infection that children and babies can get. I think it would be great if we could come up with a shot to prevent babies from getting it. But the problem is these shots are being rushed to market. They have a maternity version of these shots for RSV that the FDA has said to the CDC, I'm going to approve your shot. But since you did such limited testing, we I want you to do this is the message to uh, Pfizer. Uh, we want you to do larger trials after we've brought the shot to market. I don't agree with that. That's insane to me. You haven't done uh, you, uh, the FDA knows you, that Pfizer hasn't done enough shots to prevent the RSV, uh, 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 done enough research and trials on these RSV shots before they bring them to market that they want. They would they know that they obviously know they haven't done enough clinical trials or they wouldn't be telling them you need to do more clinical trials. So why are you rushing it to market? Yes, babies die. Uh, this, you know, every year children die of RSV, but how many, but we don't want even more to die from not just RSV, but now because they've gotten a shot that they should have never been given. That's the kind of thing that happened with children many years ago involving a virus. And as soon as I think it was 14 children died from the shots, they pulled it from market. Now we've got thousands and thousands of people dying from shots and they're still not pulling them from market. And in fact, not only are they not, they're continuing to rush these shots to market. Back in the 80s, children received a total by the year of age two, a total of five vaccines. Do you guys know that now by the age of 12 months, they will have received, and you can find this on the CDC website, they will have received a total of at least a dozen different types of shots and multiple doses of each individual shot including at the point of birth now to where babies at the point of birth are being given shots for hepatitis B, which is largely transmitted sexually. We're overdosing our children in these shots. It's just not necessary. We're not talking about in the old days when it was measles, polio, right? Those kinds of shots. And there's even research now. Uh, and listen, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying don't get your children vaccinated. What I'm saying is, is you need to be informed. They shouldn't be mandated on you. Why is it that in our day sticks back in, in uh, our generation, yours, you're younger than me. Um, you know, you didn't have a, a, a birth, a shot at birth. You didn't have a dozen shots times three by the time you were 12 months old. That's crazy. That's crazy. We're going to take a break. We come back. Sticks doesn't have anything to say on the baby shots. And that's okay. Shots, 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 everybody. <laughs> Sticks for the shots, babies. All right. Stay oh. tuned. Final segment of tonight. Oh, don't, yeah, we're just joking around, people. Don't be adding me anywhere. All right. Stay tuned. Final segment of tonight's Andrea K. Show on its way. 
AK, Dynamite in the Dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Um, I put, here's a question for you, Sticks. I posted this question. I re, I, I re, posted it. I didn't come up with the idea. Um, I thought it was an interesting question because I didn't have an answer to it. A lot of people did. And here was the question. Um, I can hardly remember the question now. Um, what's the one thing you wish you had from high school? Like the one thing you miss or the one thing you wish you still had from high school? Uh, My high school girlfriend. Really? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, okay, tell me more. Why'd you dump her in the first place? What happened? Um, we dated all throughout high school in my first year of college, and then she moved to Hemet. Mm. And I drove to Hemet. Was she a Scientologist? Did no. she move to the Hemet Scientology compound? No, she did not. Um, okay. But I, I, we were going to try to make it work and everything, and I drove out to Hemet once and didn't realize how far of a drive it was. And <laughs> <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this is going to work out. <laughs> so, Hammett's about what, like an hour and a half, hour and 45? Yeah, if there's, yeah, about, it was about an hour and 45. There was a little traffic though, which added to yeah. the time. So, but um, we're still friends. We're, we're out of all my girlfriends, she's still the one I'm still friends with. And I love to see, you know, what the woman she's become and a great mother and whatnot. But we, it was so fun. And, you know, it was, it was fresh. It was love, new love. I think she was my yeah. first love. So, um, yeah. I mean, why not? Out of all the things in high school, she was definitely one of the best things that I had. So that's nice. Definitely yeah, wouldn't um, be the I- homework or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything. Some people are like, oh, my body I had or my my car. I drove this old, you know, antique MGB GT car that didn't even, you know, have air conditioning. No, it had air conditioning. I don't remember what was wrong with it besides the fact that the brakes didn't work very well. And I ended up running it into a tree. Oh, no. Really? Yeah, oh, uh, I was going slow, but in, it, it was uh, no, it was a telephone pole. Wow! Now I was, I was, you get in trouble I was in. For that? Uh, no, uh, no, because my my dad tried to act like I was crazy that the brakes didn't work, but they didn't work. So um, I mean, you know, I had been driving for a couple of years at that point, you know, and I had been telling him that the brakes didn't work. Oh. Um, anyway, you um, weren't his favorite daughter, apparently. He, no, he let the, no, I wasn't. The, that was my sister. I'm, I'm just kidding. Going, no, oh, clearly I wasn't because I would argue. No breaks. Yeah, I would. <laughs> no, I would argue with him. I, I would. And but the, the interesting thing is, is many years later, um, he actually told me how right I was when that I was a kid. Didn't work. <laughs> not about the brakes not working. He didn't want to admit to that because he would never admit that he. he <laughs> You know, 10 years later, I think you're right. The brakes didn't work. No, but I would argue about stuff like money and finance. Like, why are you making a decision to do this? I oh. mean, like, and my, par- and, and my dad would argue with me, and he told me years later that I was right. I was absolutely right about, about uh, a lot of stuff that I was saying about mortgages and, and money and stuff. Yeah. Where did you get all your information from at a young age? Where um, were you learning all this stuff? I just, I, uh, observations. 
I was I was the kind of kid that liked to learn from other people's mistakes. And I would see somebody over here doing this and I'd see my parents doing this. And he'd be like, these people are doing better over here. They're doing different than you. And I was just very, very observant. I was very pragmatic and paid attention. I just paid attention. I was very inquisitive. I was a really annoying kid because I was that kid that said, why? And then I get an answer. Why? And my dad would love to say, because I, I said so. And I'd be like, that, that just was never good enough for me. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't. I argued with my teachers. I got in trouble, you know. So it, that was just me. I've just always been. You've always been you know, the bulldog. I've always been the bulldog. I've always wanted answers. When things didn't make sense to me, I wanted answers. And then, you know, it, it, and then I wanted solutions. I wanted things done differently. Mm. If there was a problem, I didn't want to hear, you know, that there was no way to fix it because I wanted things fixed. And that's one of, one of the things that bothers me so much about our government. And I don't like hearing because I said so. I don't like hearing the government telling me basically to shut up and go away. And I don't like hearing the government lying to me in my face and trying to act like this impeachment inquiry is, is actually meant to hold anybody accountable. Now, ever since I was a kid, you couldn't pee on my leg and tell me it was raining. And, and you know, and a lot of adults don't like a kid like that, right? Yeah, well, and um, a lot of kids don't have the guts to, to say something to adults, to authority figures. Well, they, they just, like when I was little, I just thought my parents knew the answer to everything. Really? Because yeah. I thought mine were dumb as dirt. No. <laughs> it, it, and Mama would tell you now that they were because Mama had three kids by the time she was 25. Okay. And daddy was over in, you know, Vietnam yeah. and she was raising three. And so, and her mother, my grandma was the most practical. You ask, you ask grandma a question, you got an answer. I've told this story many times. One time sister uh, asked her, grandma, what does a dead person look like? And she found that there was a funeral happening that day, packed up sister, me, and I was about one. Uh, my brother was three, sister was, you know, five at that point. And she took us to a funeral home, marched us down the aisle, lifted us up. Showed us the dead body. Said, "Now you've seen a dead person." Wow! And we went, uh, we went back to her house, and you know, we probably snapped some peas and beans and made dinner. Uh, so you know, that's meanwhile, how I, the deceased family, like, who, who's that? <laughs> Is that another family? This guy? No, everybody. Had? No, everybody knew Mary Lee. Everybody oh. knew uh, this was a very tiny town on on the other side of the swamps, on the other side of Honey. Everybody knew Mary Lee. Okay. There, that's just Mary Lee. <laughs> And then, then when Mary Lee, she was, you know, she had buried three husbands. So then here's another Mary Lee story. So then she's out walk. She walked to the street to get some mail because mailboxes. I mean, grandma lived on, on 30 acres. So she goes to get, she's walked to the mailbox one day and here comes this man coming along and he, you know, wants, wants a date with her. And she's like, no, I'm not interested. She says, but you can go see so-and-so down the street. She's another widow woman. And she might be willing to entertain. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of people that I come from. So well, they, anyway. they made a song about Mary Lee. Mary Lee. Did they? Yeah. Did Mary, they Lee, Mary Lee, Mary Lee, Mary. Life is but a dream. <laughs> Life was not a dream for Mary Lee. Grandma was burned over two thirds of her body in a house fire. And uh, that was, uh, anyway, I could continue on about the story of Mary Lee. Um, you, want, you asked me a question during the break. What was the worst job I ever had? Yes. What's the worst job you ever had? 
I, did, I loved all my jobs, but the worst thing I ever had to do on a job, which I actually did find entertaining at times, was it was at Fasulo Drugs, and all the other ladies that worked there were scared of the little mice that were roaming around, and if they would spot one, I was they'd come get me, and I'd go chase the mice with a broom. And I would handle business. Wow, really? And yes. And I would and I'd take the mice out with a broom. Okay. You were the exterminator. I was the exterminator girl. Um, yep, because you know, I'm the granddaughter of Mary Lee and we took care of business. Uh, that's the kind of country Cajun folk. Uh, that we are. What What about you? What was your worst job or your well, worst thing you did on s- job? Same thing as you. I, I really loved all my jobs, but my first paycheck job, paying job, was at Cecil's Old Fashioned Meats. Ah, best. Uh, right off of Moran Best Boulevard. butcher in town, yes. It's good stuff, but uh, I was the new hire, and they said, it's your duty to clean out the grease traps. And they gave okay. me a bucket and a trowel. And okay. I had to clean these grease traps that were about two feet deep and hadn't been cleaned out, they said, in about eight months. Ooh. So all that blood <laughs> and, and and these are grease traps, but it's not, they weren't cooking anything back there. So this is all from the oh. deli case. So all oh. that all that weird congealed oh. fat and blood and everything for oh. eight months. And they said, yeah, we're really supposed to do it like every other month. But we just have been, oh, we haven't dude. done it. Dude, you were hay. So I got down. You on were hay. I had to get down on my hands and knees <laughs> with this bucket and trowel and clean out this congealed. Oh, and, and I couldn't get that smell out of my nose for like a week. It oh, was, dude. It was pretty bad. Dude, that's worse but. than like going to an, I would rather go and sit in on an autopsy. Okay. Then have to do that. that I bad. mean, were you literally gagging? Yes. But a little oh, tip, and uh, if you ever have to deal with any situation like that or stinky, stinky situation, it's yeah. what morticians do. You put a little bit of Vicks Vapor Rub on your top lip. Ooh, good to it know. It helps with the smell. There you go. Good to know. All right. Spe- and, and also, if somebody gets too close to you when you're out shopping, good to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Sticks. Thank you, my man, my dude. See you tomorrow. And you guys tune in tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.